Welcome to Downchat Podcast, a conversation between two millennials in their 20s, deep diving on various topics with the occasional guests every now and then. And a roll call. This is Dan. This is Martin. And this week, we would like to welcome a very good friend of mine, Chris. Welcome, Chris. Hello, hello, hello. I have to use that as the intro based on today's topic, but... Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for coming on. This is going to be a great podcast. So, Chris, do you want to uh, talk about how we met, or do you want me to kind of go over and do it first? I'll give it a shot. So, Dan and I we're probably friends for like almost a decade now. Oh yeah, we met. It was summer of my first year of university. I guess summer of your second year. So, summer 2012. We were doing a program called Jexplore the explore program so basically uh it's like a french exchange program we were in shikudami quebec about two hours north of quebec city doing a five-week french immersion program i was thinking like before this recording okay when do we actually meet and it's because to go to shikudami we were on the flight from toronto or montreal whatever yeah and it was you and i remember some of the other folks and even though so we stay with host families i won't get into all of this but we lived on different parts of town, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But we saw each other at school and we were still part of that Toronto core group. And I remember Dan telling me, oh, I don't know if we'll be friends after this. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I think we will. And it's been 10 years. So That's, that's such a rude thing to say. To I have a very, I'm very pessimistic when it comes <laughs> to these things. Straight shooter. So, hey, that's okay. I'm like, it just, I don't know if I like you enough to be friends after this. I like people a lot. It's just that it's so hard. When, you know, I used to go on like vacations when I was a kid. And, you know, you always meet people there and it's like, Oh, yeah, let's stay connected on social media. Well, we didn't have social media. So, oh, here's my phone number, email, stay in touch. And then it's like never again. Find me on MSN Messenger. Yeah, here's my email on MSN Messenger. Uh, Yeah, so that never happened. So I think that's right. I think you say, like, I think one, I was interested in you as a friend. Two, like, yeah, because it was like a five-week thing. That's very, like, that could be a possibility. But I think because you said that, that definitely, like, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna like this. Is like a challenge, so hey, we're still <laughs> it kind of worked out. Yeah. I think we have a really great friendship. It was really great to see Chris's growth over those five weeks because the idea of the program is to help people from all different like French levels, and so you can speak zilch French, walk in, and still come out with conversational French. So it's really great. So if you're a Canadian, highly recommend it. I've done it twice, enjoyed it both times. Certainly not during COVID, but after COVID, I highly recommend it. There are bursaries. If you're still in school, take a look. MyExplore.ca, not sponsored. But if you want to sponsor us, Explore, we're here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you feel like it. If you feel like it. No pressure, but, you know, definitely do. Yeah, exactly. I had a great time. Chris had a great time. In our in the city we lived in, there was Chikurimi Nord and there's Chikurimi Sud. I lived in Sud. I think Chris lived in North side yeah, of things. Yeah, and oh, uh, North going up, right? I'm doing the North. Yeah, the North. <laughs> There's like this like bridge in between the two sides of town. It was a walk. It was a mission to walk around across. Well, town. and I remember one time towards the end, and I'm going off. You can, yeah, whatever. There was a, like a a bar there called. I think it was called Cafe Bistro or something with, yes. the, with the beach volleyball. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm also 18 at the time. The legal drinking age in Ontario is 19. So you go to uh, Quebec, it's 18. So like, you know, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, go. Fun. Go for it, man. <laughs> yeah. So towards the end, I remember we were out and then like it was late. So I ended up staying at Dan's place, which was in the south of town. And like I woke up 
and he's like oh you can like you know just go straight to school because it was at the university and I'm like no I need to go home I need to take out my contacts I need to take a shower so I walked it's at least 45 minute walk to an hour to, to my yeah. side of town I just remember my my like shikuti uh, parent my like my host parents like just opening the door and like no questions asked you're like oh <laughs> you're here like it's good to see that you're like they're, they're really chill they were um you're not like, dead in the ditch <laughs> yeah exactly a young set of parents and a lot of the, the host parents who participate are you know retirees or you know that's yeah. some extra income for them so a lot of good stories we can make an episode about that yeah later. this ties in really well into this episode i'll go into that later on i really enjoyed living with my host family they were like this grandpa and grandma and their kids already moved out and everything. That is like an 18 year old cat named Cinnamon in French, uh, Canel. And that's uh, an old cat. 18. It is an old cat, but it was, it was cute. Grandpa cat. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. It was fluffy. I loved it. It kind of did its own thing when it, when it did like a warm up to you. It was cute. I had really some great conversations. And one, lo- like, one great thing I love with Chikudimi is that they didn't speak French, uh, English at all. Like mm-hmm. 94% of the population spoke purely French, and English was a struggle for them. So, and I had some really great conversations in French with my host parents. So that was like amazing. I loved it a lot. So I guess before we get started, before we get into the nitty gritty, I do want to start us off with a small, uh, kind of a brain teaser. Reddit's read like my, my brain, my brain juice every single day. And today I read on Reddit, the question is, if you could take a pill to skip sleep, allowing you to feel fully rested with no side effects, would you do it? And what would you do with a full 24 hours? What do you think? Damn. I'll go first. Chris looks yeah. like he's thinking a little bit. Yeah. Uh, absolutely 100%. I hate sleep. I actually hate it. If possible, I would not sleep ever again in my life. Even now, like, although I don't feel so good afterwards, I try to cut, like, limit my sleep. I'll set alarms even on weekends so that I can wake up and get on with my day. Unless I, like, I'm sick and I totally feel like shit, then maybe I. I'll like I'll skip my alarm or set it later. But otherwise, uh, yeah, one hundred percent, I would do it. Mm-hmm. What would I do with my twenty four hours? My God, like I mean, I'm just thinking about all the times I felt lazy because uh, lazy to like work in my resume or my portfolio or anything like that. Now I have time to do that and no more excuses. And then my other mental excuse is that, oh, you know, my friends are on. Maybe we could be playing games together or maybe I can jump on Discord and we can just hang out and chat. Well, at 3 a.m., I mean, they may or may not be awake, but I can do my my work and then I could use the day to like, you know, hang out and, and whatever. Oh, the possibilities with another like 10 hours. Oh, my God. I guess I would if there's no side effects. I'm like very skeptical of like... <laughs> Like, like generally, I don't know. I'm not that I'm like a total naturalist, but like for any, any like ailment, that's not like super, super serious. If I don't need to take the medicine, I don't in this case. Okay. Anyways, that's just, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that means you have a third of your day. That would be like probably one of the best inventions ever made. Uh, I guess so. What would I do? You know, start a podcast maybe. (laughs) Um, I, I guess the, the only thing I can think of, like, it is kind of nice to have a start and an end to your day, like, versus just, like, time always up being on. And then we'll get to this, too, and not to, like, but, you know, you know, if you have a partner, just, like, nice to, like, cuddle and fall asleep and wake up next to someone. Mm-hmm. But other besides that, yeah, I would take it, too. <laughs> I think... That's true. I think sleep is one of those 
life enjoyments that I do enjoy, but at the same time, I do understand that it is a huge part of your day that's taken away doing almost nothing. You're you're breathing. Literally (laughs) nothing. And I think I've I've, I've told Martin this, but I have like really vivid dreams. And Mm. it's been an ongoing thing where I can kind of clearly remember my dream. I can remember yesterday. It was a pretty like messed up dream, but I dream a lot. And I'm like, oh, it's it's really interesting because then my dreams are... There's like full plots developed for this dream. There's like a storyline and like it's so well developed. And I feel like that's a lot of creativity juice like in action there. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's a lot of brain power I feel like I could use on other things like developing skills, working on projects, completing things. So I would definitely do it just for productivity and I can just get so much more done in my life. Enjoy life more, right? Maybe, maybe like nightlife would be a thing for me then, you know, you just go and just, you know, camp all day long, take sightsee. You know, travel, shop north. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I also want to consider the social repercussions of a pill like this. So that's we're we're talking on a more individual basis. But I'm like, what happened if this was made widely available? How would society change and adjust if a pill like this existed? How would it affect the workday? Would it still be an eight hour workday, or would we would we shift to a twelve hour workday, twelve hour school day? Uh, what would the expectations be for an average human being? Or will we literally be like just workers all day long just to make more money mm-hmm. in capitalist society? Like we always want to make more and more and more. So mm-hmm. I can see plenty of people wanting to continue the work just to rake in a little bit more like cash. Yeah. Or you have eight, an extra eight hours to like do your side hustle or, or separate income stream. I just wanted to make one comment about dreams. Apparently everyone dreams all the time. It's just whether or not you remember it. So in your case, Dan, you have a good dream memory or whatever. The most vivid dream I can ever remember, and I'm pretty sure this happened, was like, I guess I was a kid, Digimon season two. Ooh. Like, <laughs> literally my dream was like a playback of that episode. Yeah, Armadillomon and Hawkmon getting their like evolution eggs. Oh my God. Anyways, that's that's my most vivid. <laughs> that's uh, great. I love my it. My most vivid dream. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. What do you think, Martin? What do you think are some social repercussions? Actually, so I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. But now that you mention it, I can almost guarantee you that it's not going to be good because we do live in a heavy, heavy capitalist like um, society. And yeah, companies are going to milk the shit out of their people. Right? <laughs> if, if they're not tired and they're not complaining. And I'm pretty sure some people are even willing to you know, mm-hmm. do the work, some of the workaholics out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're going to have much longer work hours during the day. But at the, I mean, at the same time, so I think work will be a bigger focus society than our productivity. But at the same time, like for those people who are struggling to make ends meet, if they can take away the physical exhaustion aspect, would they be better off? I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's other things that they need to do during the day to like, I don't know, take care of the kids or take care of the home, whatever. But if they can not feel exhausted while going about their day and you know working to to make that extra money maybe it's better for them so there could be potential positive effects but yeah i do definitely imagine like contract shifting it's like oh you're just expected to work a lot more now right mm-hmm. um oh yeah. what's overtime there's no such thing as overtime pay anymore <laughs> all, right? the t- all the time pay. yeah all the time is overtime but except you just don't get the overtime pay so it's just yeah. right so i can definitely see that being a thing or if it doesn't disappear altogether, maybe it's significantly reduced, whatever it, it may be, right? Mm. So I can definitely see that happening. Not a good positive outlook, actually, now that I think about it. So here's the thing I didn't mention. It's something I was just thinking about. 
is the well i said that this pill existed it can be accessible to society i didn't say it was free right Mm -hmm. so we got considered equitable aspects of it right and it's like if you can't afford this pill then you're losing out right the rich who can work more can afford this pill and sustain their lifestyle while making more cash whereas the poor who are unable to pay for said pill like as hypothetic it's not free then you then they're at a disadvantage and that really brings us nicely. Oh, do you want to say something, Martin? No, because okay, so now that you mentioned that, I'm I have a significantly more negative outlook now. Uh, this is one of those situations where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a thing that I think we want. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I want. Me being a more like left-sided liberal kind of person, I'm trying to bridge that gap a little bit so the poor are hopefully not as poor in the future and they can work their way out of it. Yeah, that's going to be much more difficult now if you have a magic pill that you, if you have the money, you can afford to help you earn more. That's going to be rough. The disparity is going to be bigger, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, that's that's not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just small thought. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think in terms of equity, equitable access, equality, uh, I think this ties in really nicely with our topic for today. And that we're discussing the LGBTQIA plus uh, community. So I don't really talk about this a lot on the podcast because I feel like it's such a small facet of my own personality and my own identity. But I am part of the queer community in the sense that I do identify as bisexual. Honestly, sometimes I feel more gay than bi, but I do I like I do have attraction to women at times. But it is I have my own struggles. I'm not as loud and proud as some of the other members of the community. And that's something that A is a struggle for myself, but it's also B, I don't think that's like that's not my personality to do so. And like you can have your takes on this as well. I understand. Like, I also understand why it's important to be loud and proud, right? And I think there's so many places around the world where you aren't allowed to, where you aren't allowed to be who you are. You aren't allowed to express yourself. But at the same time, you know, we have, you know, it's like the way I see it is that in order to normalize our society, I feel like making a like it's important to celebrate. I'm not discounting that. I just think if, if when we when we start normalizing it and that just accept it as everyday part of society, I think that's when we kind of get to the point where we want to be, right? I think Shit Street does it best. Uh, if you ever watch a show, right, where the characters in the show are gay or bi or whatever, it's just a fact of life. They don't make a scene out of it. There's no coming. Uh, there's no coming out rite of passage. There's no celebration or glorification of it. It's just like, oh, you're gay. Cool. I. moving on what's your dinner so what's your takes on it in terms of like being loud and proud and like you know me yeah no i think like thank you one for sharing and i think to your viewers that's like really impact and you know whoever is out there for me i don't identify as part of the lgbtq lgbtqia2s plus and we'll we'll emphasize the plus because and you know none of us are like full-on experts so you know we're just using our best knowledge here uh trying to be as correct as possible yeah i'd say i'm i'm an ally and lgbtqia plus allyship and support something i'm very passionate about obviously i can't speak to it in a certain degree in some ways because i'm not part of the community but i think that's a really good point dan it's like why can't why can't being lgbtq be a default state it's like no default is kind of like straight male female cisgendered right whereas I, honestly, I haven't watched Shit's Creek, so I've heard many great things, but I didn't know that was a fact. And like, I I, I was into Dan, like watching Dan Levy on MTV, 
the Hills after show, you know, so like, it's kind of cool to see his upbringing and how successful he is, but um, and I don't know the origins behind, you know, having that interest group. I feel like, yeah, that's part of him wanting to normalize that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting. What about you, Martin? I'm in the same, I have the same opinion. Although as much as I like, for those who do appreciate the celebration, I'm happy for them and that's great. Like if they like it and they're proud, go for it. Power to you. But I, I see it as uh, potentially, even though it's a positive thing, potentially diverging away from the norm, right? I, I think about it as like, my favorite color is blue, yours is red. Like that's it. Like that's, that's as much conversation we need to have about it, right? It, it doesn't matter if, if you're gay or if you're part of the community. I'm not part of the community, by the way. And Dan, I do appreciate that you're sharing, uh, you're sharing something of, that's personal to you. But yeah, like, I, like, why can't it just be like, just, just an average, like re- regular thing? You're Asian. I have a friend who's Italian. Like, like that's just it. You don't need to talk more about, about that than, than just that. And I think as soon as we get to that kind of state, then it's just that that's what the normal is, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to pay special attention to it because it's, it's just a regular thing. That said, I think we are, we're still a ways from getting there. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do think this kind of celebration will help us get there eventually. But then I'm just curious at what point, like if we slowly turn down the celebration, would, there, would that invite some kind of conflict or would that be weird? Because it's yeah. so used to being celebrated now. Mm-hmm. Uh, would we come into that kind of dilemma? Not really a conflict, but like a dilemma. Yeah. So I think that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Kind of like, yeah, with, with any, you know, you know, it's Black History Month right now at the time of recording. And again, I'm trying to say this as correctly as possible. You know, some people say, why, why do we need a month? Why can't it just be celebrated every day? Pride, why can't every day be pride? And to your point, Martin, it's like society is not at the point where it's equitable. So it's not like every day. So we do need to like call it out. And, and to, you know, being loud and proud to, to you know, both your points and Dan, your point, it, everyone's on a spectrum and, and it, it should be people's choosing, um, you know, how they want to express it, right? And, and pe- people are ready at that at t- different times of their life. I think, sure. I think we're still miles away yeah. in terms of that. There are certain countries that are still, it's still hyper legal to be mm-hmm. non-straight, essentially. Yeah. In fact, some countries, I just read, it was interesting, that it's better to be trans uh, mm. than it is to be gay so mm. they'd rather you switch oh. your sex than to be gay um whereas oh, i feel okay. like in other countries it's kind of like it's worse to be a trans uh than it is to be gay again i i don't have that much experience in the field i can't speak on those that's not my voice to share but i think it just sucks that there even is a gauge right for this mm-hmm. kind of for this kind of thing and there's so many opposing viewpoints and if we, if we even look towards voter turnouts for certain elections we can see so many, and like we're talking about millions of people who still kind of follow this old, like biblical conservative mindset that it's against the Bible to be gay. And I'm not speaking for everyone who follows the Bible. There, I'm sure there are plenty of allies who do, but it just I think it's so infuriating that folks would kind of base, like, would justify poor treatment of someone else um, based on a scripture uh, written so long ago. And, you know, you're allowed to your beliefs. I respect that. You want to believe in this belief, that's fine. But I think the moment you start uh, imposing on someone else's life <clears throat> in a negative way that negatively impacts them through hatred, through exclusion, I think at that point, then we, uh, we need to start drawing that line. I don't know. 
I I don't know what to think about it. About it, I don't know what's the right step in the right direction. This has been like an ongoing thing for yeah. many decades, years, and yeah, it still seems like we we haven't gotten remotely close where we want to be. There's definitely more representation in media. Uh, we have Drag Race, we have Netflix series where there's always seems to be a token, and I'm a qualms about that. But the fact that there is representation is kind of nice. But sometimes with the representation, I feel like it's always very uh, there's an archetype to it. Right, yeah. you have someone who's like highly feminine, very lispy. Again, not to bash oh, yeah. anybody. If you're lispy and you're feminine, that's all good. Do you? Yeah. But it just seems like that's the archetype that's always presented. That if you're if you're gay or trans or whatever, you're you just, there's a certain archetype that's kind of assigned to that role, and that it's hard to it's hard to be taken seriously when you don't necessarily conform to uh, those stereotypes presented mm-hmm. in the media. Yeah, I mean, people are being typecasted or you only have a certain casting potential. For example, if you have a lisp, well, sorry, maybe if you want to be an actor or actress, mm-hmm. that might not be so likely or you'll have to go to like speech therapy uh, classes. So it, there's different challenges for sure. And that, that's, you know, is there equity in the entertainment industry? Not very much at all. But yeah, to your point, Dan, like representation it, it, yeah, it can be tokenized by at least like to visibly see other people being represented is at least a step. Not perfect. We have a long way to go. And to your point about Drag Race, which I'm I'm sure we'll talk more about because I'm mm. such a big fan. <laughs> but um, you know, like people are saying, this sh- like when when it so Drag Race. Okay, I don't know. Maybe we'll just go into that. But yeah. Drag Race, it's season thirteen right now. Dan and I are watching. Yeah. You know, and so that's thir- that's that's 13 years of it being on the air plus all the spin-off series. I remember like I don't know again being it was on MTV or something like growing up like oh it's some like drag show. This was when I was in high school. I'm like I don't know what this is like just disregarded it. Now I'm like a super fan as, as again I don't like <laughs> labels but as a cisgendered straight male which is probably not the main like demographic watching. Mm-hmm. Uh but people have said like you know it's almost at the point where drag race is part of the mainstream and at the same time i think rue paul or other people said drag by its nature will never be mainstream because um it is going against the grain just by you know portraying another gender Mm -hmm. but the fact that like you know vh1 picked it up and like how much it's grown like that that's kind of promising there's lots of problems with it obviously it's never been perfect Mm-hmm. you know rupaul fracks apparently so but <laughs> but you know we take we look at the good things and there there is progress there and even RuPaul, the like I, I don't know mm-hmm. no 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 jabs but everyone's saying that yeah even on the like show itself the casting has become much more diverse than when it first started we're seeing more people with different backgrounds more people with different identities being represented it has come a long way from its season one roots i think when people watch Drag Race, it's sometimes you have the Drag Race fans and you have the drag fans, right? I would say I'm a Drag Race fan versus a drag fan. I am not as intimately in the like drag scene as Chris is. Um, Chris has way more friends in the industry than I do. Uh, as you have none. Which, so. which may not be many, but I don't. Yeah, agree. you know what? But having, at least you have some, right? I'm just I'm just an outsider like enjoying the enjoying the art. Or at least one facet of the art from a screen. I don't think, I think if you don't have to be an outsider if you don't want to. Yeah, 100%. Fun fact about Chris is that he actually does uh, drag as a hobby, which I think is so amazing because as an ally to the community, 
Uh, when we think about drag queens, it's always you know you're 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 likely to be a gay man dressing up as a woman, your impersonation of a, of a woman woman. So to see Chris kind of do it as a hobby, just to kind of take part uh, in the community, I think it's so amazing. I am super uh, amazed that he even took that step because it takes a lot of courage, right? I don't think it's mm-hmm. I can't imagine uh, men even partaking in wearing heels, right? Let alone like at least not for a amusement joke kind of manner but like take it seriously for you know as a hobby or for a career uh i think it's super amazing do you want to speak on your like roots and how you got to your your budding hobby as a uh, drag queen sure so her name's christy cream the voice is the same (laughs) currently so that's why i'd be talking as christy cream right now yeah i guess just to back up and we'll talk about like masculinity and, and you know how that kind of overlaps and toxic masculinity and whatnot I guess how I discovered drag, first time I went to a drag show, university, I went to the University of Waterloo. My friends and I are at the student pub. It's like a Friday night. We're just having some drinks and food. And then like someone comes by and they're like, oh, are you like staying for the drag show? And we're like, oh, drag show. Hmm. And I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't really know what it was. We're like, yeah, sure. Like Friday night, like, yeah, sure. So it was called Drag Me to the Bomber. Bombers was our student pub. Rift doesn't exist anymore. Bomber. Oh, you're, both in, you're, you're both in Waterloo. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and you're and you're also a twin, right? Yes, yes, I am. So well, okay. We'll <laughs> Sidebar. Get back to that t- we'll get back to that. T- <laughs> yeah, because I have so many questions, but we'll get back to that. Anyway, so yeah, it was it was great. So they had like basically drag performers come in from like not just KW Kitchener Waterloo area, but like wealth and whatnot, and it was great. And like for me, I I I'm someone who like enjoys and likes the arts. Like growing up, I was really into drawing. Now I don't practice as much. So I really appreciate like creative outlets. And as someone who doesn't really like practice art anymore, like I still wanted a creative outlet. So that's kind of how I got interested in, in doing drag. But basically, so that, like it was very cool, the whole like drag show experience. I think also just in terms of identity, masculinity, whatever you want to call it, I probably can relate on the, like, yeah, just to be frank, I could probably relate more to a gay man than like a, a straight man if we're talking about like archetypes and stereotypes like like you mentioned dan like uh again even if i identify as a straight cisgendered male i'm not like yo bro uh yo, yo watching the game like <laughs> no I, i'm not like oh like you even like, bro like no i rock climb actually thank you very much whereas i don't so so like and then like you know it's like how big are my muscles how many like chicks are you are you picking up and like Whereas my, I guess, exposure experience with like, and mostly gay men, that's like most of my experience with the LGBTQIA plus community was like very nice, like soft-spoken, funny, creative, and just like entertaining and like hilarious and fun to be around. That's like, that's my experience, whether it be through media or like people I knew. And growing up, you know, I knew a few gay people, but not very many. So I almost like revered that more. And people to this day think think I'm gay based on like some of my mannerisms or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And like, I never took that as an insult, nor should someone do so. But I actually took it more as a, like, you know, it's like, ha ha ha, well, I'm actually not. And they're like, oh, really? But, But I always took it as a compliment because to me, I was maybe portraying those features that I admired in other gay men that I saw. Mm. Um, so anyways, when I was in that drag show, I'm just like, this is amazing, like seeing people like express their art, maybe who they are in an art form. And then basically, I don't know, YouTube, the late Joan Rivers had a 
YouTube series called In Bed with Jones. She'd have like celebrities like talk on on a bed. That that was how far it went. And she had like so I watched a bunch of them. There's like some clown looking thing that came into the episode and like based on the thumbnail i'm like whoa okay let's check this out and it was bianca del rio spoiler uh mm. you probably know this if you're if you know drag race winner of season six so she was talking about her drag race experience that got me into drag race started watching all the episodes probably watched about two years worth and i'm like why don't i just try it like even if it's not good i think that could be really fun and like you know i, I was getting more into like drag music we'll say but you know the music of the of the divas or whatever you want to call them whitney houston songs dolly Parton, whatnot i don't know i guess it was like pride or something a few years back one of my friends and his friend we were going out in the village and he was i was talking about how i'm interested in drag and he's like oh you have like good face structure for it and he like was practicing makeup I said, okay, cool. And then a year later, I actually took him up on it uh, when I was interested in doing it. So he, well, first I tried doing it myself with friends and, and Christy turned out a little, a little crunchy. We'll call it that. <laughs> but I think, I think the performance, at least aspiration was there. So I, so I did my first show like in, at my condo at the time rental that my twin brother and I were living at, did some lip syncs, did some, um, you know, dancing and whatnot. I don't know if it's good, but I think people were liking it. We probably had like 20 friends pre-COVID, by the way. It was great. Um, and then I went to the Qua. I hope I can say his name. So that's one of my drag uh, mothers who actually like full on did my face. And yeah, it looked pretty good. And then my other drag mom was my brother's old roommate, Dan, drag name. And I hope, hopefully I'm saying this right. Yelena Yankovic. It's like based on like the tennis player because he's, he's a tennis player, but with some puns in there. He had some drag clothes. So prior to all this, we just like one time we were we were in his condo like partying and drinking and then it's like oh why don't you like try on a dress and stuff and then yeah lip sync the house down so I, anyways like i've done it a few times for friends I've, I've performed mostly just in my condo i've never done an amateur night or whatnot but um to me it was fun like a creative outlet something that like i don't know has shock value which like for me i'm not like the most maybe because i'm not like the loudest person in the room that's just something to like get attention and it's not directly on me it's on my character Again, if you look crunchy, you probably resemble yourself more than someone else. You need to get the illusion, right? It, it was a really great experience. And then I guess the last thing I'll say, because uh, I've been talking for a while, I'd like to get, you know, input from both of you, was, um, you know, people say, RuPaul says, everyone should do drag. doesn't matter, like, what walk of life. And you don't need to be a male going to a female. Just to, to be in a different skin might, like, reveal things about yourself. And to me, it did reveal, like, you know, the creative outlook I really enjoyed, but uh, it didn't reveal like my inclination wasn't like, yes, this is like my calling or something I really want to pursue further. I still like doing it as a hobby. Maybe I'll like it more the less crunchy I get, but um, uh, it, it's been a good experience. And I think the most important thing is just being able to open up conversations with people because, you know, people do assume like, oh, well, if you're dra doing drag, you're probably gay. And I think as an ally, I don't want to take up space. I'll just say if I was actually performing or whatnot. I don't want to take up space from people in the actual community who I think this art form quote unquote belongs to. And like, you know, that might, that might not be the best way to, to say it, but you know, people in the community who I've told them about, like, it's never, it's never come up like, Oh, but you're straight. You can't do drag. And, and from what I've heard in the past, that might've been a problem, but I think the community, at least to, you know, being more inclusive of who can do drag is opening up. And as someone who's not part of the community, I'm appreciative of that. So mm. It's been a good journey. I'd like to do it more, but I think it'll probably remain a hobby. We'll see. Canada's Drag Race is currently casting. 
I don't I don't think she's ready yet. <laughs> well, I have great hopes for you. And um, you know, as much as you think it's crunchy, I think I was there for. I don't know if it's your debut, but it's the second one, so she improved one. slightly, yeah, or slightly. very much because Qua did my makeup that time. Oh yeah, I I think she was fine. I think she was great. Thank you. Yeah, I I think you did so so well. You just too hard on yourself. In terms of like allowing, say, straight folk into the or allies into the space, I understand where folks are coming from. Right, this is their safe space. This is where they think there's like this is where they can be themselves. But the way I see it is that maybe you can have the stage, right? But, but yeah, I think it's so important that we include everybody because in order for us to normalize, it's, we first need to break down this wall that divides us, right? Because it always is in us and them kind of mentality that, you know, slapping on labels and everything. And even in the LGBTQIA+, in mind, yeah, I haven't really experienced too much of it, but, you know, being in different of these subsections of the community there's like infighting between each other which is so backwards because you're trying to create a space that is like a community that's okay with everybody and yet there's like infighting and there's like creating these these divisive dynamics that really keeps us separate and until we can't break down those barriers it's so hard uh, for us to develop a really conducive community that's accepting for all at least that's my take on it opinions are my own maybe i could just jump in there while while i mostly agree i do see merit for any community minority community oppressed community to be able to have space exclusively to them if they so please yeah because other spaces you know if, if you're if you're a minority of any kind and all spaces are filled with people of the majority it, it it's nice to have something that you can claim as your own you can mm. find people you identify with so i think that's that's important. I mean, you bring up good points that, uh, uh, you know, infighting between within the community or toxic culture in the community. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I, I, I can't speak for, uh, completely to it as not, not being a member, but, and, you know, I mean, we'll talk about dating culture shortly, but like mm-hmm. within gay dating, like, I don't know, on Grindr saying mask for mask, like I only go for masculine gay men, uh, but that, you know, to some degree, that's your, your preference, but just one thing I wanted to say is, so at work, and I won't go into the full on details, but we're a big proponent of promoting uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and LGBTQIA plus is part of that. So a few years back, when we kind of started promoting that at work, and and I work for an industry association, so you know within our industry, where we're kind of trying to promote it. So we have member companies, and basically some of our members had a LGBTQIA group where they go out for drinks, kind of you know support. And because I was like their community and they invited me out, I think it's because they thought I, I was part of the community, which again, like to me, that's a compliment, but mm-hmm. I'm not. So I, I, I clarified, like I said, you know, thank you so much. I'd love to attend. However, I just want to clarify, uh, I'm not part of the community. Can I still attend? And if not, if that's t- totally fine. And, and their response to me was basically thanks, but yeah, we'd like to keep it queer. And to me, because because on the point I just raised, I thought that was fine. And I, I just brought it up to one of my coworkers who is also working on our ED&I file. And she said like, oh, like that, but that's not like inclusive. And, and my point was agreed, but as a minority, people should have the right to like find solidarity within their community and mm-hmm. have spaces to gather and discuss. And as someone who's not part of that minority group, I think I, I need to respect that. So mm-hmm. It's just, it's an interesting take on it. It's, it's, it's part of the complex puzzle. Yeah. I think the key word there is just respect, yep. right? It's like, we can respect each other's spaces without like 
killing each other, right? I think that's the idea, right? You're you're allowed to your, your exclusive spaces, but there should be a mutual respect for everybody. Or it's like saying I celebrate this holiday for my for my culture, and you celebrate that culture that for that for that holiday, whatever. That's cool. I don't celebrate it, but you do. You enjoy it, and I'll do my holidays when they when they roll around. So that's really interesting. I am not knowledgeable at all on the LGBTQI plus community. I have friends who are part of the community and I talked with them about it, but I haven't like attended any events, at least to like beyond the undergrad years where it's like much more easier to. I haven't personally sought it out. So yeah, I'm interested to learn more because you mentioned a couple of points that me, who is not knowledgeable, is very interested in like, why is this the case? And it's the, the point about infighting. Like what? What is the conflict about? Because I, just from my perspective, I don't know much about it. Inviting as in, why can't you be invited to an event? No, no, because no, you mentioned that there's like infighting between. Oh, the infighting! Yeah, yeah infighting. I think Sorry. a lot of it is just like definitions in some for some for some scenarios. Like, oh, um, you can't be bisexual, for example. You're either straight lesbian, you're gay, or you're straight. You can't be in between. You don't exist. Oh. Or if you're gay, oh sorry, if you're bisexual, identify as that. You're just transitioning from straight to gay, for example. There's a lot of a lot of uh, transphobia uh, in the community as well. Those who can speak out against it, even now with some of the drag race past contestants, there's been a lot of like slur and speeches against them, or they're saying things that are like tone deaf or insensitive to the trans community. So we have a trans contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race, which is kind of great. Uh, or sorry, it is great. And essentially one of the past contestants said was that, oh, well, she won that challenge. She as an as a queen. Oh, she won that challenge because she of her curves. And that that and that's the only reason why she won. And so, you know, like that's not really okay because that takes away from her merits as an art, I think. And I just like it's just like you're saying that she only won because of her of her label or her body. And that may be one facet of it, but that's not the sole reason why she won, right? And to just credit 100% of it on her curves, you know, I don't think that's fair. At least just, that's my understanding. Yeah, and just, just to clarify, this is the first trans male contestant, so from female born yeah. to male. There have been other trans contestants and many past contestants who weren't trans had not transitioned at the time, transitioned after the show. So... So, so exactly. I think that's the big thing is like, it's not like you're LGBTQIA plus or you're not within the LGBTQIA plus, obviously just based on the acronym, there's so much diversity and differences. So, so yeah, I think if, and again, as I don't, I, I don't think I need to keep pre- like, you know, prefacing it, but as someone who's not like, I don't fully under- know, but I think also is just taking up space, whether it be physical space or figurative space in the community, my prominence, my representation, with physical space and like the going out scene. And I talked about how, you know, there are certain clubs, at least, you know, in the Toronto village scene when it was open that, you know, this club is, is, you know, for gay men, this club is, is for lesbians. Cruise and Tangos, for example, love it. That's like probably one of the more, I don't know if inclusive is the right word, but more, more mixed diversity, like in terms of, you know, straight open. people, gay people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's probably where you'll see the most bachelorette parties being thrown. And that's a whole nother topic. But then if you go to, um, <laughs> wow, I can't believe um, the one with the Rhino logo. Is it called? I don't know why I can't I remember the name. I don't know. 
but but uh, I think you and I went that one time, Dan. Yeah. And and I think that's more of a and all my friends are gonna be like, oh, you don't know X Club? Like how could you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> but it's a Rhino logo across the street from Cruise and Tango. So is it a leather one? I think the leather one is upstairs. See, and then people are, you know, if we get some good uh, listeners from from the community in Toronto, like please put us on blast. Let us know where yeah. we messed up. No, it's it's on the ground floor, but that's more of a of a of a gay man bar. Yeah. So like, I've had my straight cisgendered female friend come and like people are being kind of mean to her, like not like making fun of her backpack and stuff, and like. Okay, do you bring a backpack in a bar? Maybe not, but it was a nice chic leather, like leather black. And like, okay, if you're vegan, I'm sorry, but uh, and we can get into that not on this episode. But but um, whereas for me, I'm I was very welcome because most people probably thought I was a gay man too. So, and, and that kind of goes back to where's the divide between having space for our communities because they you know mm-hmm. don't have other spaces versus when do you be inclusive? Yeah, and like, I think you talk about the whole bachelorette party. It just like, yeah. <laughs> like the the problem with it is that it becomes these bars, which were like meant to be a safe space for gay men or people from the community, like depending on which bar you're going to. It becomes a space where people go to party because oh yeah, it's so exotic. It's like oh look at this, so so different, and it's like it's sort of more for social media uh, mm. and for entertainment value. It's like. It's like for appropriation purposes, you know what I mean? It's not like you're respecting uh, the space. You're not just respecting for what it is, but you're there just to party and just like make it for your own entertainment. And like for and for that reason only, right? You don't necessarily appreciate the art of like the drag queens presenting at a time. You're not respecting the space there. And like they make a fool of themselves. I've seen it up front in person. Like they would just kind of climb on the stages, which is a huge yeah, no-no. Man. You don't climb on a queen stage. And they would yeah. get to piss drunk and like kind of like like fall flat on the floor and like, you know, well etiquette is not exactly a top priority uh, in a in a bar like that, but you know there are standards and mm-hmm. yeah, you know and I think that it, I think that it just it just sucks, you know. I think that it's like things like that that makes the compu- community take like five steps backwards yeah. from where it wants to be, right? Where you have people yeah. coming in, intruding, and like really not respecting the culture and just appropriating for their own entertainment purposes exactly no that's that's really well said when you come into a, a space that is not necessarily your space you come in as a guest it's not about you and you have to show respect to to you know uh, the owners of the space quote unquote so like mm-hmm. yeah exactly like as was parodied in canada's drag race this past year like uh their jimbo was like i don't know something like bachelor like this is my part like this is my like, no honey it's not about you it's like come and enjoy but like be quiet and like sip your gin and tonic like yeah (laughs) you know i think it's it's true though isn't it like you know i don't know like that's just one that's just what's just one struggle and like i don't think we have a solution yet i think it's something that's gonna evolve over time and i'm excited to see what it looks like in my lifetime so why don't we transition from here to like maybe dating a little bit Right, and talk about and I'll talk about my experiences as well. Dating, I think dating is like has has been very difficult for myself. I think part of it is issues with like self acceptance, and as a person who's like very precautious in everything he does, I think it's hard for myself to put myself out there. Right, I think it's so difficult that like I it, I feel like I want to move in a direction where there's more acceptance that I should love myself more and that I shouldn't fear anything. But I feel like putting myself out there 
could can kind of be a detriment to say for example my career which shouldn't be the case but it is a consideration i make and then there's also the aspect of my family which are not accepting at this point at this point in time it's still an ongoing struggle i did my coming out rite of passage i think last year because i was considering seeing someone more seriously uh it didn't work out and that's fine too one thing one person asked me after that i was like why do you come out if you weren't sure your parents could be accepting and part of it was that i think it sucks to date while closeted and there's so many restrictions that come a come with like the territory and i honestly don't think it's fair to another person who who is dating you if you're like closeted and they're like not for example because then you're kind of putting a lot of restrictions in their life uh, as it turns out the other person thought that <laughs> they they received it very poorly they didn't want to deal with my non-accepting parents and they just kind of left me hanging which sucks but that's that's okay that those are my like growing pains and you know it comes to territory and, and like i don't have any regrets doing it i think going through that helped me grow a lot as a person but i think it's difficult right like i can't do things that i want like if i want to be a man for example there are things i can't do in society like like that are like perhaps that requires no thought for a heterosexual couple right holding hands down the street enjoying things together traveling together traveling is a huge one he's got you got to filter out countries like is it okay to be gay in this country <laughs> for example right there's so many activities i feel like there's so many barriers that is different from heterosexual relationships and there's like like i feel like few like a lot more conversations goes with communicating in terms of planning things out how things are gonna go and i don't know I, like how like what are, what are some things you consider when you go like go on dating apps and whatnot yeah i mean i guess the experience might be different (laughs) right yeah well maybe i'll just tell about my experience because like i said i i'm a cisgendered straight male if i had to label myself so for dating and you know i'm someone who is often perceived as being gay people who i've dated said oh you know i thought you were gay or at least bi or whatever like almost everyone in recent times have, have have asked that which is which is fair you know obviously on my dating profile like I don't know, people's not not that I get tons I got tons of uh right swipes or whatever when I was on the <laughs> dating dating apps. But um I guess yeah, I don't know, like the way I look, maybe I look gay, but I think it's it's more maybe the you know, my mannerisms, the way I sound or my interests. So it's not becomes more of a conversation once once you start going out or whatnot. And I think for me, I, f- I forgot to tell this before, but basically before Christy Cream uh, came into the world, I was, <laughs> I was seeing someone and I remember it wasn't working out. So when we kind of, like, we were never together, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I was kind of like, you know what? Well, like, <laughs> fine, F that. I, it's time for me to do drag because I, I wasn't sure how you know if I was dating how that would, yeah. would be take and like hey I want let me just look more beautiful than you and like anyways but <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways that so so that was part of it but then so so I'm currently in a relationship and my partner like not that I I am like you know a full-on drag queen especially during COVID but she has been supportive and you know in the beginning there were like questions and conversations that we had and experiences to kind of like dig deeper into that because because rightfully so I mean mm-hmm. I guess it's less common for someone uh male and female dating wise to find a male who like also is a female drag impersonator like right um so you have to have some conversations and like I was very lucky and blessed that she as a person in general whether it be 
you know, drag or LGBTQIA plus or anything else. She's very open. So so she is accepting of it. And like, I recently did drag for like a Settlers of Catan League that I'm part of, which is based on the Toronto Gay Dodgeball League. And I dress up in drag. Again, I don't have my my drag mom quoi to like make me look nice. So, you know, again, she looked a little crunchy, a bit better than, than the first time. <laughs> but, and, 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 and my partner was like, oh, like, let me help you next time. One caveat, drag makeup can be very, very different than just like regular, regular quote unquote female makeup. So I, I'm very lucky to be with someone who is accepting of it. Mm-hmm. And even on my Instagram, my personal Instagram, private y'all, but if you want to follow up a public Instagram, follow at Christy Cream One on Instagram. With a um, <laughs> She's lacking recent content, but if she gets enough followers, she might give y'all some more content. It's Christy um, with a K. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like it, if you haven't uh, figured it out, it's Krispy Kreme Donuts. Like that's the pun, but Krispy Kreme. My name is Chris with a K. Anyways, that's if you ever it. get on Drag Race, you're gonna have to change that. What would you change it to? Yeah. So, so the thing is, like, what do I do in that in that situation? Christy. Will it just be Christy, or and like, but like not Christy Teigen? Like, I don't want to be just Christy, maybe because like Jan Sport from season two, yeah, like Britta Filter, Jan and Britta Filter is just Britta. Um, <laughs> but like, hey, if I were getting on, if I get on the, the show, like, okay, that's that's okay. I'm gonna have to see this crunchiness because I I haven't seen you it should, before. And... You can see the crunchiness, but see the uh, see the glow up is what you need to see. Yes, I, yes. I, I would like to see all of it, all of it. Okay, go, just... go 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 look right now. I sent you I sent you a link earlier. Yeah, and I'll just pull up. Okay. I'll literally pull up my. Good maybe we'll cut this part out but i'm yeah. just very curious now yeah in, for sure but uh it's, <laughs> like i'm really happy to hear that you have a partner that's super supportive of this hobby i can imagine lots that's of women really yeah. would not be okay with that at all look at her Mm-mm. damn that's snack. pretty good thank you thank you to qua <laughs> love it there's only five yeah Christy, <laughs> to uh content. you know go back to the oven and bake some more yeah she needs, to, she needs to get the content rolling like the down to, to talk podcast is doing rolling out great content to you every week we'll definitely uh do a collab soon i hope <laughs> that'd be great oh, yeah that'd be great that'd be so much fun yeah well it's funny because basically on this the most recent time this was like a couple weeks ago i did it my original drag mom and i so he runs a, like a, a sellers of Catan league yeah. Uh, last season had 64 players, so it was pretty good. And for the finals, we were commentating it in drag, and then we had a whole lip sync per- like performance plan. <laughs> Love it. And it was pretty. It was like it was a little improvised, but I thought it was be pretty good. But then we only had like five people show up, so we're like, we'll save it for another time. But um, yeah, there's lots of potential. Like yeah, and uh, I would love to join that Catan League sometime. Let me know when the season's over. Yes. yes. Sounds amazing. Ever since you told me told me about it, I start playing with a few friends just to get some practice. Yeah. Nice. They're like addicted <laughs> to it. <laughs> it's it's, it's not the simplest game, but it's not definitely not the most complex. It's almost, I'd say it's basically the perfect board game. Mark can attest to it. I re- really got into it for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister actually found the online version. Yes. And she shared it with the family. Mm-hmm. And my parents who like never, they never play board games. They don't play anything, mm-hmm. right? But my mom, for whatever reason, got really into it. And so we were always playing, you know, like every spare moment, my mom would be like, hey, hey, hey let's, let's play, let's play Catan, let's play Colonist. And then, and then I'd be like, mom, I've worked. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can spare a few minutes. Break. What are you 
honey, come on down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so we got really into it for a period of time. It, it's it's a good time. Yeah. I hope they expand the online version though, because there were at least when yeah. I was playing it, there were some like limitations in terms right. of Right. I don't know if you like the one I do the Dan, the one that Dan and I play is colonist.io and they, they are slowly yeah. expanding it. And I don't know if I said settlers of Batan, but that's kind of interesting too, because based on our topic of equity, diversity, and include you know. The acronym that I like for that, which I learned recently, is JEDI, Ooh. Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, just because it's like Star Wars. Um, what a coincidence. Martin cool. loves Star Wars. I'm oh, a Star here we Wars go. fanboy. That's pretty here cool. I, I never, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm like, huh, cool, very cool. But Settlers, they, they, settlers of Catan is just called Catan. Like, if you buy the board game, it's just called Catan now, because Settlers yeah. and, like, colonization obviously has, like, bad history. Negative connotations. Oh, I yeah. didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if yeah. I if I said Settlers, that was my bad. Yeah. I, I just thought they dropped that part because people got lazy of saying the long name, so they just called it Catan. Maybe both, but I, I think it was, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, my partner, she has a, she, like has a newer version of the physical game and i think i have i have an older version where i played older versions and i'm pretty sure the box says settlers and the new box just says Catan. okay i've, yeah. I've only seen the settlers of Catan, but I yeah, just fair, Catan fair, for fair. short yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay I mean, cool did not know that it makes sense uh i think we're definitely being more socially aware in terms of the colonists like lands the colonial lands we lived on yeah. or we live we are living on so 100 percent. i think this would be a great t- time to just pivot considering we're talking about family and board games mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. i think we want to touch upon your experiences being twins right? yes so chris yes. has a twin go. brother martin has a twin sister and in terms of age difference we're not that far apart so i'm kind of interested to see like what were some of your experiences growing up and what questions you might have for each other i'll, I'll just jump in my experience has been very positive and it's kind of very interesting how it's evolved with my twin brother jeff i think i can say his name um <laughs> Jeff, don't hate us. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> We're going to talk about you now. Don't you know, hate you know us. what? It, it, this would be a good test because he told me, he's like, as good brothers, I guess, we're interested in what each other is doing. So I told him I'm going to be on your podcast today. And he's like, oh, send me the link when it's done so I can listen. So this will be a good test. I won't tell him that we mentioned him. And it'll be a good test to see if he's like, oh, haha, I like how you mentioned me to see if he actually listens to the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I think he will, but it'll be kind of funny. So Chris and, Chris and Jeff are... Um... I think their personalities are like, yeah, quite different. different. Uh, yeah. Like oh, Jeff is okay. very different from Chris. I feel like Chris, Jeff is, um, I don't know. Chris is more soft. Uh, he comes off a little more sensitive. Uh, not to say Jeff, Jeff isn't right, mm-hmm. but he just comes off a little bit more forward, very go getter, ambitious. Um, and not to say that Chris isn't, but just like personality wise, you have that kind of like more forceful one, and you have the softer kind of gentler touch one. And that's kind of my take on the two of them. Can I? Can I ask if you're fraternal or identical? Don't know 100%. I guess probably identical. The thing I always, like, this is the story I always have to tell is, um, so in order to know for sure if you're identical, you need to get a DNA test. If your DNA yeah. is a match, then for sure you're identical, right? Yeah. So, and I, uh, if there's other identical twins listening, please, we'd love to know your feedback here. <laughs> so basically when you're born, you can get that like DNA test done, the blood test done. However, like when your kid is just born, do you want to like, I don't know, a needle in them if they don't, you don't have to like not really so we never got that test done and then apparently to get that test test done now is like a 900 dollars test or something <gasps> i don't like don't what? don't quote me this is what i've like heard, and i haven't done much research because yeah. i'm not i don't really like have to know yeah so based on that we don't know for sure but the fact that we're the same gender we like 
generally look similar, definitely growing up. Like when we were younger, we looked even more similar. We probably are. Yeah. But, and then to, to Dan's point, like, yeah, we, we are different. Like growing up, it's, it's probably like one of the, the biggest blessings I've ever had is having a twin brother. Cause growing up, you have someone who's the same, in my case, same, like same gender, same interest. So like Pokemon, you have someone who gets like the Ruby version and the Sapphire version. You can play, you can play like Yu-Gi-Oh against each other, blah, blah, blah. So that was really good. And we were together like in the same class in elementary school until grade seven. So a long time. If we were to do it again, we should have split up way earlier just for like individualism and whatnot. We went to the same high school, some mostly the similar friends, some different friends. And then university was the first time we actually like had our own separate lives, not as twins. So like I went to the University of Waterloo, he went to U of T, St. George. So that was really good. I also, so he stayed in Toronto, which uh, we're from, and I went to Waterloo. So that was also my first time like living on my own. And that was, I think if anything, that actually brought us closer together because we didn't see each other as much. Mm. Also, for the first time in my life, people are getting to know me as like, oh, not not Chris, one of the twins, but like, oh, just, oh, Chris, you have a twin? I never knew that. Or literally, Mm. like, you know, he'd be in Toronto and like someone from Wiley was like in Toronto. They're like, oh, hey, Chris. Or like someone says, oh, hey, Jeff. And I'm like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Do you know he has a twin brother? Like someone's like gone up to my brother and like hugged him at a club and then realizes it's not me. And like... (laughs) Like, like, so, so um, that's kind of funny. It's been great. We definitely are different to, to Dan's point. And, and like, not to, not to, you know, stereotype or brand anything, but like, yeah, if, if you're to look at like masculinity or masculine traits, yeah, he, he probably is like the more heteronormative, like just in terms of like traits and whatnot and, and, and me less. So he's also probably more analytical uh, and I'm probably a little like, yeah, I'm definitely more emotional, like create, uh, creative, I like to think. Mm. even though my only outlet really is Christy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we are we are quite different. No, I'm really thankful for him in my life. And, and I mean, he's been nothing but supportive of me throughout my life. And, and even with drag and whatnot, he was the MC for my um, performances in our condo. So, no, he's great. Love yeah, you, Jeff. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> how, are you, how are you, Martin? How was your experience growing up uh, with your sister? Yeah, so mine is, so despite also being a twin... I would say mine is quite different from yours. Hmm. Well, first of all, she's like, well, yeah. she's my sister. So it's like a guy and a girl. We don't look similar. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't obvious. Well, that's, actually, not, you know, that's not what some people have told it's me. Not, okay. So here's the thing, right? The, the running joke between like Dan and a few of my other friends. is like, oh, if you want to know what, what she looks like, picture Martin with long hair. Because it's the same. <laughs> I'm like, no, we don't look that similar. I haven't um, actually met his sister. So I can't even commentate on that. Okay. Yes, you have. You were just too junk to remember. What? <laughs> Did you think it was Martin the whole time? <laughs> like, she went by, like, in the house. I-, I don't know if you were busy or distracted, but I know for sure she has. Like, mm. maybe it was only for a few seconds or, or a minute or so. Like, she might stop, I said hi, and then went off, right? So, yeah, I, I don't think we look alike. We look similar enough to be siblings, but we're no, we're not close to being identical biologically speaking we're not allowed to be identical because yeah you know male female right for um, editing purposes can we like just for future editing can we get a photo of martin and his sister like here like right now <laughs> right here it's, it's funny yeah. okay. I, I do this test with so many people like my coworkers, and honestly it's pretty polarizing like some people are like what you guys are are siblings like they don't even think we're siblings while we have like another group of people to get like, yeah, you guys are basically the same thing just long hair martin that's that's francis that's her name. 
Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. I didn't think it'd be this polarizing. I, I can show you guys a photo afterwards, maybe. Okay. Uh, to our listeners, it won't matter because you can't see it. Well, um, we have YouTube later. Editor, exactly. editing, please put a photograph right here, <laughs> and then we put a picture of Jeff right here. Yeah. Okay. With uh, with her permission, I wouldn't mind. I think it'd be interesting. I'd love to like put a poll to see how many people. Yeah. Think. But yeah, uh, so we are very different, myself and her. Growing up, there was a very short period of time where we could share Pokemon and other interests. Okay, nice. But even then, like, she wasn't that much into video Like, we played Super Smash Brothers for, like, maybe a couple of years up till, like, grade three or four. Uh-oh. And then we started diverging. We went to the same school, but it's interesting, but because, and this is not a slight in any kind of way, but she she's gifted. Well, I would say, actually, that's a good thing. She There was the gifted test in our school, in our elementary school, in grade four. And she passed I failed and, it. And I didn't. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah. You did Jeff, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I joke that like when we're we're still in my mom's like womb, she just kind of like cracked my skull open and just ripped out half my brain and just like packed into well, her. Yeah. And I mean like gifted it only considers certain criteria. So you Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a whole other topic with what yep. is or how yep. valid the gifted test is. Yep. But uh, regardless, she she was part of the program. Um, and so our school was actually like divided, I would say. Thinking back, it was a lot more divided than I even thought back then. So there's the gifted program and they take all the gifted courses. And so they're the, the gifties, air quotes, yep. gifties. <laughs> and then there's like us normies or the regular kids. Normies. And so the segregation was like, I'm surprised it was that segregated. Like just thinking back, but it was. Because, like, you hear kids talk with little kids, and you think, oh, you know, all the kids play together, and they're all fine. Yeah, no. Uh, the gifties and normies were a thing. So, yeah, even when we went to the same school, we already had, like, our own lives, our own group of friends. Uh, birthday parties, it wasn't something that we shared, per se. It was almost like two parties mm. ongoing in the same house, which added to the chaos. So my parents could probably talk to that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and then we would oh, we would fight all the time over dumb things like like cake. I liked cake with fruits like or fruit flavors, but she liked her chocolate cake. So we would fight all the time. It's like, oh no, no, it's, it's my birthday too. I want this cake. And she'd be like, no, 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 I want this cake. Dumb shit like that. Toys. That's one thing as we grew up, we didn't need to fight as much because I had my guy toys and she had her girl toys. I would get the video games and I would have more rights to play them because she barely mm. played the video games. But she would from time to time. But at the same time, I like, I mean, I did think, and I'm pretty sure if you ask her, she had thoughts about like, man, wouldn't it be nice if I had a twin brother for me and a sister for her case, especially if you had similar interests, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that would have been like a fun, fun experience. And then I do think that we did get closer after, yeah, elementary school, gifted program, not gifted. She went to a gifted high school. I went to a regular high school. Um, and then she went off to a Western. I went off to Waterloo. So our lives never basically coincided again. But then afterwards, like now, now that we both graduated, she, uh, she visits from time to time for a larger part. She was doing her medical school at Western. So she was in London. So even then, like, I don't see her that often, but when she comes back or when we go visit, we chat. So I think that kind of helps. There's definitely some maturing that helped as well. Like, it's like fighting about dumb shit and just like, oh, these are just small things. We don't need to fight about them anymore. But yeah, that, that was it in a nutshell. Mm. It's it's not as crazy as some people make it out to be. Like when I, I don't know if, I'm sure you probably got, got this too. When you tell people you're a twin, they're like, 
oh my god really and, and yeah. they're, they're so astounded and amazed like yeah some magical like legendary pokemon or some shit yeah right? they're like what's it like being a twin and i, I always like i don't know respond <laughs> kind of sassily but i'm like well i don't know what it's like to not be a twin so it's just like it's just a sibling you know yeah i, ha- I have a good story which we'll get to in one sec because it's kind of interesting for like twin mm-hmm. facts but um yeah. were you and your sister compared a lot or at all like growing oh, up so well i guess much. being gifted and non-gifted maybe that's yes. one thing but like what was that like tell, tell us about that yes uh, so we were compared a lot gift to your point a lot of it was due academics because she was gifted i wasn't and all the credit to her she is definitely 100 without a doubt 100 percent. she's smarter than me she's also more hardworking than me so her going to med school and doing better at school all the credit to her i think she deserves it i was not as as good of a student i didn't like school that much so so i didn't i didn't try to achieve as hard as she did and you know what? It, it paid off for her. So did they compare? Yeah, in the beginning. I think my parents did in the beginning. Because they're like, oh, look at look at Frances. She spends X amount of hours studying. Do you do that? And this is usually like a lecture or conversation after she gets like an A plus or something. And I get mm. like an A minus or a B plus. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I got a B plus. I have friends who got C's. I did better than them. And like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Asian parent mode. You got you to gotta get an A all the time. So the grades aspect was on thing. Uh, she's also more outgoing than I am. She's more, so I take after my mom's personality in some aspects where we're more like introverted, a little bit more like reserved. And she's more like my dad, who's more social. So yeah, in that sense, during like big family dinners, even though it's like family, she would definitely be like the one who talks a lot more and be like, oh my God, cousin so-and-so, like what have you been doing? And she would get like really like peppy and involved in conversation. Mm -hmm. I'd be more like laid back a little bit. So I think there was that that going as well. And she definitely had more friends than I did, like growing up. And even now, to be fair. <laughs> so yeah, there were there were those kind of comparisons. Like to dig a little deeper, if I may, because I'll yeah, tell you about my it. experience. True. Did those uh comparisons like was it ever difficult to deal with that? Or like does that did that like affect your I don't know value perception or confidence of yourself versus her, her at all for sure growing up on the academic side of things mm-hmm. like i refused to accept that she was smarter than me yeah. <laughs> she can't be smarter than me are you kidding she's just you know she just gets l- luckier on tests or whatever right um <laughs> she's pretty lucky <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah no she so so yeah so that was the thing yeah i hated being compared growing up so i'm like even though I wouldn't admit it, like in my head, I'd be like, oh, shit, why am I so dumb? Why am I dumber than her? Because oh. um, I can't let her win, right? Like win mm-hmm. a real fight. I oh. only had size going for me. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair. But, you know, growing up, it's just like, you know, it, it is what it is. She's smarter than me. And she definitely works harder than me, as I said as well. So That's fair. Uh, credit to her. Yeah, for, yeah. for me, growing up, we kind of had our roles, and I think it was switched professionally, which could be good <laughs> or bad. It doesn't really matter. But growing up, I mean, and like, like, to your, you know, your story, Martin, yeah. uh, or experience, like, it's not, it sounds like you were doing quite well in school anyways. It's just, that's the comparison that you're going up against. <laughs> Similarly, Jeff and I both did very well in school. Nice. I did probably slightly better on average. No, I did do slightly better on average <laughs> for elementary school, maybe high school too. And then university, we split. And then there came a point in university halfway through where I'm like, 
because because I was very into like school high like you know achieving good grades and I'm like at what cost like am I even enjoying my experience here and I was but like I kind of mellowed out a lot uh and even now with my uh work wise like work's important to me but work-life balance is is like a priority and whatnot and um whereas for him when he went to university I think like everything kind of turned on where he uh uh, he's a hard worker. I think. I think he's also like efficient on how to allocate time and whatnot. E- even for work, right? like, and and he's. I, I think work-life balance for him has been a, a more of a challenge. I guess it's based on like personal values and the work demand. He definitely puts in more hours and whatnot. And, and I mean, it comes. It comes. You know, with trade-offs and whatnot. So, so I think it's kind of reversed. I guess we were compared, but like pretty superficially and jokingly, like. Mm. Grades, see, that's interesting. In my household, and, and just, just for context, I'm half Chinese, half Slovenian. So not a full Chinese household. And very lucky, like, you know, lucky to us, our parents, their attitude towards marks in school is just like, do your best, find something you like. That's all, like, that's all we're asking. <laughs> but they're, like, marks that's don't awesome. really matter. And I'm very lucky to have that mantra as part of my upbringing. So marks never really matter. I think maybe personally to me, they did. That's why I was trying hard. which doesn't is silly just things like in high school like oh and like not that i was part of these conversations but like who's the better looking twin or like (laughs) uh and and other things and like even even it comes up like you know now like and and these are superficial things i think this comes with with age and like to your intro about being our late 20s and going to your 30s like okay now like who's farther in their career who's making more money like these things don't really matter or, or like as a kid it would be like hmm i wonder who's gonna get married first and like does that like signify success it doesn't so like for me as a twin and probably someone who is more closely comparable to my twin and to this day it, it's, it's kind of been a journey of i want people to see me as an individual but i also need to see myself as an individual not compare mm-hmm. and that, that 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 is a little more challenging when you have someone who who's that easy to make a comparison to but but it's superficial so it comes with again like self-identity confidence and mm. um doing what's good for you mm. where's live by <laughs> <laughs> two quick twin things i think it's really go funny go for it go for it story one so this was like last year when i was in university i just was coming back from my southeast asia grad trip and on facebook tegan and sarah the canadian artist <gasps> and I, dan you might know this story yeah, yeah. They post on their Facebook page like, oh, we're working on something exciting. If you're a twin in Toronto, like message us. So my friend sends it to me and I'm like, I think also like talking about like our journeys and paths, I, I do need to be more of a risk taker. And it's kind of interesting when we're getting older in life, it's hard to take risks. Anyways, this is a low cost risk, but I'm like, <laughs> sure, like this sounds fun. Let's live for the experience. So so I like apply Basically, Tegan and Sarah were going to be on the red carpet for the Much Music Video Awards. This was like 2016. Uh, and what they wanted to do is when they come on the red carpet before the awards show, they wanted to have like a double-decker bus full of twins because Tegan and Sarah are twins. So all you have to do is like send in a headshot, whatever. And like basically we were on. So Jeff and I did that. So, so that was cool. But the thing is, I've it was literally a, like a, you know, like the Toronto um, sightseeing buses. Um, yeah city tours yeah. whatever it was literally those with like 12 sets of twins uh and like the craziest <laughs> thing was one none of us were really tegan and sarah fans i like but it was just like everyone had the same story like oh a friend told me that they're looking for the twin thing we got free, free tegan and sarah merch t-shirts out of it but it was just really cool like talking to twins and all like sharing our experience and these all these twins were 
identical looking twins because that's what Tegan and Sarah at least appear to be. And one set of twins were telling us about Twin Fest somewhere in the States that happens every year. So it's literally a convention of twins that meet up. And I don't know how like not safe for work or whatever your your podcast can be, but you can edit as you need to. But basically, obviously, the question's going to ask, well, okay, like, do, you know, do you guys hook up with other twins? They're like, oh, yeah, that's one of the main reasons you go. Like, what? Oh. <laughs> so that, it was a great experience. And then just being on the on the uh, MMVA red carpet, like, it was literally just Jeff, me, and then more so these other twins that were talking to us about Twin Fest that were like at the front of the bus and could be seen very briefly. But that was a cool experience. And then the other just twin stories that I saw this, re- I don't know if it was like on some TLC show. No, it's probably on TikTok. I'm really into TikTok recently. There is a couple, two sets of couples, each with identical twins that marry each other and had kids. So because their DNA is the same, they're, um, so each couple of twins their kids even though instead of being cousins genetically they are brothers Sibling. And yeah Whoa. that's kind of that's kind of like that's weird that's trippy yeah yeah or like I'm if you go on mori povich like okay and the father is like oh well they both have the same dna so it, it's, it's kind of crazy <laughs> yeah that's so trippy yeah think of all these months wow can you imagine being like you and your siblings having kids with like another sense what like pretty much your kids being brothers and sisters to your siblings kids you are like genetically genetically a brother from the other mother yeah, yeah. Like, actually <laughs> yeah well and uh, again i don't know the whole context of that story because tiktok is just short uh yeah, yeah. Clips, but but the doctor advised against like the two i was the thinking two, that because it's not like for genetics you want to diversify yeah. or whatever so exactly but that was just kind of interesting. You, you get close to like the genetic yes. incest, right? right, You're right, not, right it's right, not right. actual incest, but it, right. genetically, it's very, very close. So that could yeah. potentially be an issue. That, it, that's interesting. Holy smokes. I will only see the flaw there if, you know, I feel like if the kids like end up hooking up later on. I think that's like the main issue there. Well, and like, you know, not, you know, not that we should do it for entertainment's sake, but like that's the next layer of the story that they need to add is okay. Like the first <laughs> hypothetical was accomplished. Let's talk about the second hypothetical. Oh, <laughs> but exciting. I don't think that's happened. I don't know. Okay, I think to end up the podcast, I think I want to leave the question. <clears throat> you know, you, we're talking about kids and whatnot. Let's say you have kids later on, and uh, bringing it back to our original topic, and they turn out to be you know LGBTQIA plus. Etc. Whatever the whatever they whichever label they conform with the most, how do you think you would receive them? I would be like super excited, maybe more excited than having a straight <laughs> cisgendered kid. Because I, I like I, like to me and like when I again to, when I was talking about how I admire like traits I would see in gay men growing up, that's just more exciting than this typical heteronormative, I don't know, journey if you will. And as someone who sure is an ally, but I take so much enjoyment and being friends with people in the community and whatnot like i think that would be really exciting for me yeah i mm. will <laughs> well we will have to revisit that question if we in the have future. kids someday yeah. because that's really interesting i like as much as i it's such a growing like a long journey for myself a lot of mm-hmm. learning a lot of growth and i feel like i've grown a lot kinder because of it mm. as a person it's not a lifestyle i think i would recommend to anybody because it comes with mm-hmm. so many hardships it comes with so much filtering as you're growing up especially if you're not like super out and loud and up and open <clears throat> there's always like a layer of oh what are people gonna think if i say this how are people gonna receive that if i say that 
So there's always like a lot of growing pains that comes with it, but also comes with a lot of growth. Personally, I'm not against like I don't, I don't hate my lifestyle. I have no regrets. But would I recommend it to anybody? Like if they had the choice, which I don't, I wouldn't. It just it's just so much harder. Like, do you mean like stay closeted or? Oh no no, no. just like just like being like not like non hetero heterosexual, just like just not following the. Oh, if it, like, if it were because it's not built like there's a heterosexual world, right? It's not built for yes. Yes. non-heterosexuals and like it's so difficult so yeah i don't think it's a life that i would want for my own kids but they are cool. like i'll receive them open arms and the way i think about it is that every time you have a kid i like it's so weird saying that every time you have a kid it's like opening a booster pack you can open an uncommon <laughs> card which yeah. is everyone seems to have one is that all they are to you <laughs> or am i gonna get rare uh, am i gonna get ultra rare and like hollow foil super su- super super rare this is like one of the best analogies maybe <laughs> the best analogy i've heard because it's true there's a lot of commons out there but uncommon not so much super rare or ultra rare isn't like whether in any identifier but but yeah. again and, and just to jump on your point like what what really upsets me or like is frustrating to me, Dan, is that like for you or other people, it's like there's nothing you can do about it. it's not your fault that that's society's conditions or barriers for you. So that's that's really unfortunate. And like hopefully for our kids and then future generations, like it is easier and it's not like there are no barriers. That's like a, a, you know super far away, but it's just frustrating to me that it's and that this just being you know talking about privilege and you know what you're born into, I guess like. It's just frustrating that you can't, you have no control over that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I'd be kind of similar. I think to me, and obviously I'm, I'm speaking from a perspective of not being a parent, but my child is a child. Uh, I don't care what their orientation is. They can be whatever they want and they're still my child. I will still love them. I think I do have a bit of that concern as well. I would want to see, I wouldn't even know how to go about having this conversation because I am 100% supportive. They can be whatever they want to be and it won't make me see them in any different way. But I want them to be prepared that there might be folks out there who do. And so that would be my only concern that I don't want them to go through uh, hardships that are absolutely unfair and they shouldn't need to. But uh, if that's where we're still at, hopefully not, you know, fingers crossed. If that's where we're still at, then you know, it just it just sucks, yeah. and and I don't want them to experience that. But it's it's not something you can coddle them, though. You know what I mean? It's just yes, you, yeah. you got to allow them to like. If that's the case, then you've got to. I feel like connect them with people mm-hmm. that can give them their experiences there, and like that can kind of share their life stories so that they can learn mm-hmm. and you know adapt better versus going to it blind, right? Yeah. I think that is worse. You know, and I think yeah, like. I want them to feel comfortable. I don't want them to have to um, come out yeah. to me. Yeah. I want them to just be like, oh, hey, dad, I'm, I'm, well, like, you know, I'm gay. Or, like, you know, okay. you would even want that. It's like, like, would you prefer this coming home? It's like, oh, let's see, you have a son. Hey, dad, here's my boyfriend. You know, would that be better? Or do you want them to labelize themselves first? I think, I think if they just came home one day with a boyfriend and they were gay, then I would be more surprised unless I saw it coming. Yeah. So, I would hope that me as a parent, I would have the inkling long before he just randomly shows up with a boyfriend. I hope we have that close enough relationship yeah. that I would know. Yeah. So if assuming that, uh, assuming, sorry, assuming that I don't, then I think that would surprise me more, but that's still fine. 
if they gave me a heads up, so to speak, then I, then I guess it wouldn't be as surprising. But I think in either case, I'll just be like, oh, okay, you know. But mm. me being me and not a parent, I think we, I would know, I would have an idea beforehand. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Down to Chat Podcast. This was a great, this is a lengthy one, but I think at the same time, we talked about a lot of great topics, really. I mean, there's so much more we could have delved into, yeah. but we can definitely maybe uh, open another booster pack another day. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me, Dan and Martin. Thank you for sharing your experiences and, and especially to Dan, like, thank you for sharing your experience. Oh, um, they, we're, we're happy to have you. Listening. And like, you know, Yes. As a person that's not like very active in the community and having you as an ally who is, you bring in such a wealth of experience, connections, and like you can definitely, like while it really seems like you're really cautious and really trying to like step back a little bit, just give people their space and the community their space. I think it's great that you're an ally. I hope you continue to like, you know, participate in the space, not to hold back. But yeah, I, like you've been, you, you, like, I, I, like over years I've known you, like I think you've been just an excellent ally to the community. Yeah, I still have foreseen many great years with you in the future. That means a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that brings us to the end. Thanks again for tuning in. Give us a follow wherever you follow us. And uh, we will see you next time. See you. See you guys. See you guys.